by Riverside. Start, work backwards. So go to where your foot lands. Okay, see where your foot lands? Now rewind one frame. Look how connected you are right there. I'm still back on the mound rather than... It's still heel so up that, a that little bit. That pitch is probably 96. Nice Because th- that energy <laughs> is just there. How hard was that? Seven. Yeah, he said 97. Yeah, there you go. Because look at... I mean, look yeah. at that. Look how powerful that is. Think about a boxer. When when a boxer lands a, a punch, right? There's so much in their back leg. It's just a fucking boom because they're just I back leg really, into the front side. I can really see it a little bit now. Yeah, I feel like I rotate you, better into the foot strike. Right, while keeping my back leg stuck, connected. Right, you're keeping that power on that back side, like a like because that's where it comes from. Let's see if I got any other videos. And everyone who used to talk about, like, getting down the mound and everything like that because of Pedro. Like, Pedro was a, a freak. Pedro's basically Elastigirl. Like, watch Pedro's hip. If you watch psycho. Pedro throw. Right. He was like Elastigirl. It was a joke. <laughs> like, yeah, no wonder Pedro had that stride. He's Zach Wheeler's the same way. Zach Wheeler's slender man up there. So, yeah, he's he's his foot lands in the grass, but his back leg's still on the rubber. It's disgusting. Uh, but guys like Verlander... Like you're talking about, and you notice how like watch Verlander's upper half. His he he keeps his torso and everything he's so tall, and he's so boom, tall, and then right down into it, and he gets that just. That's where I feel like in this one from, instructs yeah, like my upper you're, half you're, stays sick. It's perfect. Stays look at tall. That. Oh, and then and that line that the you most created? recent one. I think you do a pretty good job still with the upper half in the most recent one. You're still pretty tall. Yeah, it's still tall. I just like lose that backside too quick, like trying to throw it before I even let it let the delivery happen. And and do you see why I'm saying that your arms a little bit off time then? Yeah, because you're yeah, you get all, moving too I've, quick forward, so now your arms a little late. Yeah, I've always had that. I, that's always been like a slight issue with me is my arm being like uh, let's see, like that's just that foot strike. Move it over that's a little bit. Over. Screen over. Manipulate this there shit. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, you're still pretty tall, but but then the foot strike. I'm late. Boom. You're should, you're in, you're should, like you said earlier. You're on your big toe. Yeah, not the middle of the foot. Right. That's Unless you got like the strongest torso, big toe in the world. <laughs> I feel like my torso goes so far, like over the top, forward. And then I feel like yeah, I because your arms trying soft, to yeah, it's trying to catch up. You're, yeah, you're trying to catch up. So now you're when and that's. But look at the strain you're putting on your arm in that. I know you're going. Uh, that's like seventy percent there, but that's that's how you create strain too. Because now your body's like, oh shit, I'm late. I got to catch up. So now my torso goes and. That's yeah, then the I get lag. stuck, stuck dragging behind, and then and then the elbow starts really dragging. Get, and then when I really get worried is when I see an elbow go from here. To here, to here, which yours doesn't. Yeah. But like you'll see, like mm-hmm. high school kids sometimes, a lot of times, and it's like, and you're they just like, oh like, shit. Try to like <laughs> climb it up, and then because it, yeah, because this, because mm-hmm. when you lose this, because your arm's late, then it's the just tor- all yeah. right here. 
sweet. I sent it to some uh, one of my other buddies from Driveline too, see if he's got any other shit. But I think that's just the issue. That I lose connection in my backside too quick. I just, just lose quick. my whole just ass. A little bit. And that video from Instructs just... is a perfect one to look at. And also, mm-hmm. what you said about anatomy changing, yes. As you get older, and that's one of the most impressive things that we've talked about with Verlander. Is like, dude's 39, and I think he's able to continue because he we have such an understanding in science and, and what the body can do that every year mm-hmm. your body's going to change, especially when you're throwing 100-plus innings. Like, that know, messes correct. your body up. So now <laughs> you have to adjust every offseason to, okay, what's my body now? What, what is it doing now? So that mm-hmm. I can get back to being at my peak and having the clean mechanics because the velo comes back, the stuff comes back, the crispness comes back, the recovery is better because you're not straining on every pitch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, your hips could be tighter. Like that's your pelvis could have changed since Instructs 2020. That's I a, agree. I'm not a I doctor. Think it's stop. Like I'm I not a, stop being a little bitch. Just throw it harder. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't gonna say that, but yeah. <laughs> You can say it. I can take the heat. It's taking a lot. Of I shit. mean, I wouldn't say that, but I mean, Trevor can probably talk about that more because he's got the degree and he's got the masters in it. But like, I don't know enough about sports science and biomechanics. But to me, it just makes sense that like it's possible. You're lifting, you're throwing a hundred mm-hmm. plus innings a year. Your pelvis can move. Like, think what? about freaking people who sit in a desk yeah. for their whole lives for twenty years, and they all get to become old men who look like this. They're just stuck. Right? How many old men you see walking around like that? Their spine moved. That's that's the most important part of getting just making sure you're maintaining checkups on those things. Like that's why mm-hmm. it's test retest with everything when it comes to anatomy. Because I mean, I always think about it with hitters. Like guys are different on a year to year basis, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're the moves mm-hmm. that they could accomplish you know, whether it be a scissor or any form of reciprocal move of being able to hold their posture, anything really like you have to test and retest to the hip flexibility and the hip mobility all the time because it just, it changes. And like Dan said, it could be something like the wear and tear of 120 innings, whatever you threw last year could be why you're tight now. And Mm -hmm. like, just not in the fact that you're catching it, catching it is huge, but I mean, that could be the difference between why that, that hip, because like between the videos that you showed, like you're talking about a millisecond, I know, a fraction yeah. of a millisecond of where that heel starts to come up. And it just doesn't look at like the two videos, just one looks so much more in sync than the other. And you can tell when you're paying attention to that backside that, you know, mm. you're just holding that back heel down. But again, that's just hip anatomy right there. Yeah, you I look feel like, like a I get fighter like, in this one. Which one? Uh, the hey, that was that was that one. Uh, when was that? That was twenty twenty one spring training. Yeah, you look was, like, like a, only... you look like a fighter. I wish I could figure <laughs> out how to do this. Seriously, like when you get to this position, oh, the glare. Hold on, let me see if I turn down my brightness. It'll work. Is that better? Yeah. Like when you get to, don't you look? Doesn't he look like someone who's throwing a punch? Yeah. Like a boxer in a ring. That's essentially the position you want to get into at release. Is looking like you're, you're throwing like a, a haymaker. Like this one, I'm still, I'm still like super connected with the ground mm-hmm. and like the ball is already, and and released that's what, and I'm still there. And that force going back into your front leg from foot strike mm-hmm. is what 
can help create arm speed. Like when you talk about guys who have super quick arms, a lot of times you get a jump in that when foot strike is violent like that because you're so connected and it's sending the energy back that your arm. Mm-hmm. Now this like was catapult. before, or this was recently. Right. That I'm already leaked. Uh, which way am I going? Like ball release, my foot's already completely off the rubber and already leaking towards. towards by like home. two, by like two whole frames. By like, yeah, by six inches. Yeah, two whole frames of of slide. It's so and crazy. Like just... I worry about it so much, and it's just like just stick your fucking foot in the ground and leave it. But you might not like be able the... to. That yeah, that's, that's the I'm most like, important I'm thing is you have to understand it's not because you're not trying. Like mm-hmm. your hips might be releasing that millisecond too early, yeah. which again is it's it's a multitude of things and it's little adjustments like Dan said, like pointing your toe at the shortstop that could kind of close that hip up just that extra millisecond, which allows you to mm-hmm. stay engaged with the ground for a second longer. I agree. And it's I mean, and that's why I was such a big believer in the dry mound PVC work. Just I love because, the PVC. Yeah, if you just put the, the and even if you're just putting the PVC in the ground so that you can freeze, you can go through your delivery. Why I like this because it could like my favorite drills a lot of times weren't even the ones where it was on my guy's shoulders. It's they had it in the ground and it was like, okay, now go through your delivery and feel all these important spots that we have. Getting mm-hmm. to the top, where's my front hip? Where's my back hip? As I then start to make my move forward, where's my back hip? Where are my feet at foot strike? Because feet are so – like your feet are so important. And I hate to break it to you, but you're not that young anymore. Like right – like you're, once oh, you're no, 24, I'm, 25, I'm like be your 25 body changes. I'm going to be 25 in June. I'm starting, right. to, starting to feel it. And it's like strange. It's like you have to make those adjustments each year and year and like dive back and say, oh, I can't, can't get into this hinge enough. What can I do to adjust to that? That's why I feel like Verlander's been so fucking good at it because each year he's like, all right, I'm 38. Like this is getting tight. How do I adjust that? And just right. go from there. Correct. I sent you the picture of a Al Leiter and I. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah, I was talking to Jack Leiter's for, dad. Yeah, I was yeah, talking we know to him. Jack Leiter's dad. I was like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. We know the guy with the familiar with the with the name. Um, well, it was like you dive in on that. It was that show like, tan. That <laughs> was so bad, dude. I had such a such a cut off tan. I was such a douche. <laughs> But uh, he, that guy looks all, like he's like a mafia boss. He, he does. Awesome. But all all the haters that came from the dugout face and lighter were like, "This shit is not good." They're like, it's "Yeah, that's bullshit." Good. He's I'm off. Like, I'm like, he's off, right? He, yeah, but something happened. But, but Trevor, you know, he has one of those fastballs that hitters come back to the dugout and say, "I mean, we used to flat." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's flat. It's flat. flat. No, it's it's, it's got twenty two inches of bird, light. buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, well uh, I think it was. It hasn't been as good as it used to be because they sent out like the report. I probably have. I probably have it somewhere on here of some of his uh, tracking reports, and I think he's lost a lot of carry on his fastball. Really? Because he, he was because when we were in there in June. He was only he was averaging like seventeen, and man, that's like that's like a he little was, bit above average, like slightly, yeah. like just a tick above. But like going back to like watching him in college, like 
I'm sure he nah. was 20 plus. He was easy. He hit. He, he had <clears throat> the same exact like metrics as Garrett Cole's fastball. He was like 24. Like Van- yeah, he was at he like, was like 24. 24. He was getting swing. Like if you go watch his his uh, his college Digby tape, it's literally like guys swinging at balls at their eyes. Like SEC play, oh my god! Like it was, it was so frequent to see a guy just take an absolute hack at a ball that's crossing the bill of his helmet, and it's just like you're like, oh my gosh, that is some vert. I have all these tracking reports. Let's see. Last thing I'll say, Colin, is in that last video you sent from spring training. Look at your velos, and that's a good way to tell too. Like, look at your velos on that. Oh, that was. Easy gas because look because of how connected you are. I mean that's easy mm-hmm. gas. And that the thing the, is like the, I f- like I feel like I break it up like I become like I don't really like describe like I feel like I like flow through it but then like I get to a point where like I like sometimes like stop like the fluidity of like the motion to make sure of like that and that's where like I sometimes like want to try to get out of of like uh, here comes the lift coming into it arm up hold the back foot, then I, like, I kind of stop and kind of lose right. that momentum a little bit. That's why I would try turning the foot first because mm-hmm. then you just throw normal. Don't even think about it. Get some video and see where where it's at. I agree. And then play with it. Do it a little. Do it a lot. Fucking turn mm-hmm. your foot to the second, directly at second base. That's what this time's for. See what happens. Yeah. I got time. Yeah, fucking turn and throw to the catcher and see if it looks better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what's what's it gonna do if you? What's it matter if you're if you're literally well, facing second base and turn and throw? Right, that's a plyo mm-hmm. drill we fucking all yeah. do because mm-hmm. Kyle Bodie told us do do it on the fucking mound with a baseball mm-hmm. and get video well, of it from the side and see if that changes anything. And mm-hmm. even even look at your workouts too. Like that would be something that I'd see like when you're lifting legs. Like, see where your foot placement is when you're trying to exert your most power because that's something that I think is underrated in the fact of, like, if you're putting your feet in the ground and you're trying to sumo deadlift, like, the angle of your foot's going to take care of business with where your hip's yeah. going to explode at its peak, right? That's so, right. like, your your body knows what it's doing when you're mm-hmm. picking up 315 pounds for it's going to protect itself. Right? Yes, exactly. So like a lot of times you can tell where where guys feet should be to get the maximum out of their hips just by giving them a lot of weight on a squat bar and seeing how they get under it. So I'd pay attention to that. If like you're a little pigeon toed out, like you can you you pick like there's there's two ways. I literally just had this conversation on the phone with somebody today. Like you can either work on the hips or you can make the adjustment on the ma- like you know what i'm saying there's one mm-hmm. or two ways you can go about it and i think because of your age because of how much wear and tear is on your body the easier adjustment is to tinker with that foot and try to see if there's something more that you can get out of it i would say do both yes. i would say because of the fact that you're constantly beating up your hips when you're a pitcher a pro athlete first like people don't yeah. realize how much your hips just it's like your hips go through a car crash every day when you're a pro athlete. I don't That's care what Every sport day you're we playing. like get to the gym and like Walt and I look at each other and like I'm like I can't stretch my fucking hips. I'm like these things are glued solid. Like and then like the whole thing with like oh just like our trainers are so big on like oh just foam roll it or like sit on lacrosse ball. It's like that's like a short term like that's gonna mm-hmm. help me for like 20 minutes. 
Like I need right. something long term, but like obviously you yeah. can't have that long term forever because like your body's just going to get old. It's just not going to be able to hold it. But now you said that with your foot, like when I squat, like like when I like the deep squat, like just like a mm-hmm. deep squat, like stretch, my feet are out. Like yep. both of them. That's the only way I can get into both, like into my hips because I feel like over the time, like, they, they do those tests where like, oh, feet shoulder width apart, pointing toes forward, make you squat. And I mm-hmm. can't get into that squat. Like it's always uncomfortable and it hurts. But then as soon as I tick my toe out, just mm-hmm. like hurt my feet out, like, you know, half an inch or so I can get into it. Is that, that's something that I'm, I'm going to try that tomorrow and see how that feels mm-hmm. and get some more video. Your, your body sweet. will, your body will tell you everything you need to know about where it's going to produce its maximum effort, mm-hmm. right? Like your body mm-hmm. takes over and it's, that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it bothers me because, you know, obviously like I know people in the exercise field and things like that is too many people are so focused on like the perfect squat, the perfect, whatever it be like, mm-hmm. it's just not realistic, right? Like people telling yeah. you like, you might not be able to get, as deep in your hips as you know mm-hmm. like you said zach wheeler pedro martinez these guys who have like elasta hips that they can mm-hmm. literally just get so deep you might not possess the same abilities because your anatomy is different there's nothing wrong like there's so much negative connotation around that i'm the believer of let's find out what your hips can do and let's uh-huh. adjust from there, not let's try to get your hips to do what X person does. Yeah, no, that's put where, your body in a position to put its maximum effort out every time that's where you I, throw. I, that's where I got in trouble. Like after that outing, like my coach was bringing me like a fucking chair. And like and during my throwing program, I'm sitting in the chair and then like like half squatting into it. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff that like doesn't work for me like i'm a tall and fall like type of guy mm-hmm. and like i can't sink in who's this nolan ryan no, no. to grom right who is no bruised are bruised he didn't I mean, sink that's like into a, shit. that's a five foot stride he didn't sink yeah he didn't even fucking like didn't even try it looks like he throws one of two but like his hips rotate so fast because he's got a short stride and probably because of his anatomy he can't get yeah, into he's those probably tight deep, as long, a banjo string yeah, he can't be like Tin Linscombe and have a seven foot stride and be no. a freak, freak like mobility guy like that. Like I feel like I've slowly, I've always been that quad dominant, tight hip, can't get into that rotational. Let's see. Look where his back hips pointing. I don't know if you can really tell from through the screen, but his back hips not pointing. His back hips not pointing at third base. I can tell you that. His back mm-hmm. hips pointing at fucking Trey Turner. Yeah, right at home. And his front hip is just in line. And then he just uh, – he's Gosh, connected he's the such, whole way through. He's such an elite rotator. And his foot oh. – yeah, before he lets go of the ball, his foot's still dragging. Yeah. And that's he's why it's like on. it's not easy gas. <laughs> it looks easy, but no, like, he's got stressful. so much going on down there. Mm-hmm. No, and that's, that's a credit to you know people not – I'm sure there are people that were trying to change him at points, but – that's a credit to people just letting him be who he is, you know, like your body moves a certain way. I mean, when you're lighting up the Work radar gun it. like that, it's a lot easier to just be like, Hey, just keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> but still, That's why um, I like, like, like Hobbs at wake. Like he was like quad dominant, your arms late, 
I'm not going to try and change it because I'm probably going to fuck you up. Let's figure out ways to make your, I mean, not great delivery stuff better, like in a way, instead of like revamping everything to make me into some drop and some drop and go guy rather than like a tall and fall and sort of like that. Perfect example. Trevor, don't, don't, (laughs) we can't release this portion. I'm going to tell a story and I don't want to throw anyone (laughs) under the bus, but we're 19 minutes into recording this. So just in case you're wondering, I just don't want, I don't want this. Can we, can we tell this story off air? Because I really don't feel like recording another 40 minutes. Well, I've also, I've also cussed, I've also cussed a couple of times. That's okay. Um, We'll we'll throw the explicit side on, on it for once, but (laughs) We'll uh, we'll save the story for off air, and if anybody else wants to hear it, we can uh, we'll make them ask a fan question or something. So, for those of you that have been listening for this whole time, welcome back to the Backside Ground Balls episode thirty one. Um, this is coming to you twenty minutes into the episode. I think Colin just realized that we were recording that whole time. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> so. I figured I was sitting here listening to Dan and Colin chalk it up for probably 10 minutes. I'm waking up at five in the morning tomorrow to go work out. So I was tired of listening and I was just like, you know what? This is pretty good content. So I'm just saying screw it and click and record. So our first 20 minutes of this conversation is literally going to be about the anatomy of pitching. So for anybody out there who, who was intrigued, I hope I hope you learned something new today. Hot mic. We were hot mics, Colin. <laughs> we were going back. That was fun. It was fun. It was a good time. I'm sorry I haven't been as responsive via text this week. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's been busy. Busy yeah. holidays. Ho- yeah. That's the holiday season. Dan's got a lot going on at work. So, um, I mean, first off, the app, obviously, to our listeners, happy holidays. Hope everybody enjoyed. Everybody who traveled, I'm glad you made it to wherever you were getting safe. Um, Dan and Colin, the first question I got to ask for you guys, what's the best Christmas gift we got this year? Dan, you go first. My family doesn't do Christmas gifts anymore. Now that we're all adults, we don't have any children in the family. So we all opted out. Um, luckily, uh, both my family and my in-laws, we all just opted out, which was awesome. So we went to Florida with my in-laws, uh, for about a week, which was fantastic. Um, and then we came home and obviously I was recording from the car, uh, going back home to see my family and my family goes to Ocean City, New Jersey for the, the, um, holiday now, which is nice. Not that we're out on the beach, but we're all together in a house. So that's kind of Christmas gifts now, which I love because we're all adults. We just, if you need something, you just get it yourself. Yeah, exactly. What Christmas am I going to ask for? Hard. Health insurance? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, well, that, 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 I think that'd be a pretty good gift. Right. I'm not exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's that's like, what do I need at this point? I need health. And, yeah. Mom, I need health insurance. Like, that's not really yeah. Christmas. I need a yeah, Walmart is. gift card, please. Yeah, seriously. Well, Groceries. I mean, you... You mentioned you mentioned opting out. I mean, we're 22 minutes and 52 seconds into this episode, and Dan finally made it the longest he's ever made it without mentioning college football. He just had to put, impose his opt-out claim uh, just to connect to, to the bowl season in honor of, of college football. Dan, Dan, we're super proud of you. 22 minutes is a stretch for you to not mention <laughs> listen, it. Listen, this is the most stressful time of year for me. All right, we're, we are now officially 48 hours away from uh georgia ohio state uh and uh i don't know how i feel right now 
uh, nervous, I guess, is the, the answer. Everyone, Georgia's going to win, which I hate that everyone keeps saying that to me because Ohio State, like everyone just keeps remembering one game that Ohio State played this year and keeps mm-hmm. forgetting how good they are. And a lot of people have forgotten about that Michigan game is that Michigan scored five touchdowns on explosive plays. One of them, C.J. Stroud, just got the ball off in time before getting crushed for a sack. The other one, the DBs ran into each other. And then the long runs, two of those mm-hmm. long runs came after Ohio State was putting 11 in the box. And they broke. And when as soon as you break the, the, the second level on one of those runs, you're yep. gone. So it's not like, yeah, sure, that, that score looked ugly, and I understand it was at home, but let's not act like Ohio State is, uh, you know, like some middling SEC team that Georgia's just going to roll yeah. over. I'm I'm with you there. I'm I'm, I'm one of the I'm not uh, I'm not an Ohio State fan by any stretch, but there is not enough talk about. I think that game can be historic. That's how like good I think Ohio State is. Like I think that's going to be one of the better playoff games we've ever seen because I think Ohio State's going to come out. Ryan Day's a creative enough play caller. He's going to let C.J. Stroud throw it 55 times because they're not going to try to run it at Jalen Carter, and it's going to be creative. They're going to get to sideline to sideline. Georgia's going to have to cover the 53 and, and a third, and and it's going to be a tough football game. But you know, if if we if our listeners can share with five friends, we'll we'll put together a college football podcast with for this if if we can make this so colin what'd you what'd you get for christmas anything anything good from the holiday i know dan's over there itching right now i I just took away his crack pipe (laughs) i would say i got a cast iron like skillet like good Good. got a pan and pot like a fajita set too then i got cooking knives and cutting boards so such an adult we're growing up here. No, we're not getting. We're not getting all the goodies and stuff. I did get a Nerf gun, so that is for my dad only. But then yes. my uh, girlfriend's stepdad got him this face shield, so hopefully he puts it to use before uh, more TikTok content comes up. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> the on face shield is TikTok. such a good gift. Yeah. That is, but yeah, now I'm growing up. Got all the cutting set. Yeah, you got all the knives. Yep. Got a butcher set for uh, deer hunting, so I can start. Oh, there you go. Start dressing my own deer and stuff on my own. But gosh, just there adult gifts. I'm sure next year will be pretty similar. Probably ask for some coffee tables and some house stuff. But growing yeah. up, getting more expensive. <clears throat> Wait until you buy a house. Everybody wants to get your stuff to decorate for you, so um, you you can't complain because you don't want to spend your own money on it, and then nope. you got to find a spot for it, even though you might not really love it. But you know, that's just take it all. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take shots at anybody, but you know, like everybody's taste is different. And name names. Some people forget that. I'm not gonna name names, names because these people are, are very near and dear to my heart. And I don't want to stop getting things to get to, to us. You, you and Danielle's mom don't have the same taste in home furnishings no. is what I'm hearing over here. It's it just it's just that it's not it's not the Oganowski side, let's put it that way. It's the power <laughs> side lacks the lacks the fashion. But that's just a fact. Like that. But in terms of the baseball world, it, Dan mentioned before we got on the podcast last week when we did our, our little phone cop conversation episode, he said, are we going to talk about the canceled Carlos Correa news conference? And I said verbatim, no, it's probably not news worthy. <laughs> 
And boy, <laughs> did I wake up the next morning regretting not talking Swing about the yeah, regretting not talking about the Carlos Correa news conference. I was like, wait, wait, he's a Met now. So obviously oh, that was a that was a whirlwind of uh, information that came out of um, San Fran first, and then obviously with the with Steve Cohen and, and the monopoly money that he has coming in, swooping in and snagging up what he felt was going to be a an impact player for them. And here we sit probably almost a week and a half later. I mean, obviously the holiday probably slowed some things down and still not through the finishing lines with the Carlos Correa is a New York Met. The last report I saw on MLB net on MLB.com was there's about a 55% chance that it gets done. And it's 12 years for a guy that already has got some anatomical problems. You guys heard us talking about the anatomy of the body and how important it is. Colin, when you, when you hear these things, where does your brain go to unpack the, what's going on in Queens right now? I just think, cause, uh, I mean, you look at the giants trying to sign them and obviously that fell through and baseball world blew up with how the giants have had, I'd say, a tougher uh off season with trying to get guys and sign dudes losing Correa trying to get judge and then um losing Rodon as well but I think when you when a player fails two physicals like that or has issues with two physicals like that with back-to-back clubs obviously there's something in there that both clubs are looking at that there's issues with so that's that can be that's very concerning to have two clubs back to back like that, like come out and say, Oh gosh, like there's something, something here that could worry us down the road. If they're still with how the market's going, trying to sign position players eight plus years now. So that's something really to look at is if, are they going to sign this guy now who, I mean, I haven't looked at the reports and seen like what is exactly wrong, but I mean, you sign him now and if he can, he make it 12 years with all, with all the physicals that, he's gone through that he's kind of uh i guess failed in a way so it's it can be concerning from i mean at least in my opinion is yeah i mean when you're talking about giving a guy 12 years and having a question mark before day one that's just from my perspective a major red flag right we i can i'll sit on here and and i mean i'm sure we'll get into it Uh, obviously i'm not pro 12 years for most position guys but you're giving 12 years to a guy with red flags already before Mm -hmm. his contract even starts (sighs) dan i mean i i gotta hear your takes on this because i i i can't even unpack every emotion that's that's coming out when i think about that how arrogant do you have to be to think your doctors are better than another major league organization's doctors? Let alone the Giants. Let alone the Giants and, and Farhan Zahidi, who runs like a top tier organization and comes from the Dodgers, who run a top tier organization. Like, how arrogant are you to be like, oh, wow, this, this guy who we were thinking about signing anyway uh, just failed his physical with another team that they're going to back out of the deal? Their doctors don't know what they're talking about. He'll he'll be fine. And then how stupid do you have to be to beat your chest about it publicly so that you're probably going to be forced into having to get a deal done with him anyway because you already publicly inferred that you were signing him? I mean, I just don't – like, 
it's so funny because Mets fans are so happy because they finally feel like they have competent ownership. And yet they just continue to make these baffling moves. And you already like, at some point this is going to blow up in my face because it's just the way sports work, right? Like I used to make fun of Trevor and the nationals for forever that they could never win a playoff series. And then they want to stink a world series. The capital is the same thing, but like, yep. I just think it's hysterical to me that it's like you won 101 games last year, but you blew a 10 and a half game lead. You lost in the wild card round. The team that's one of your most hated rivals wins 86 games and goes to the world series. And then this happens where we already talked about how they're handing out these contracts. And I defended uncle Steve the last time the three of us were on here. And then this happens. Like they're just, I don't even know. Like I just can't, like I can't, I don't understand the process of this guy just fell out of a 12 year, $350 million deal with the team because of a physical. So clearly there were some issues that came up, but we still think we'll sign him for 12 years, 300 plus million. What? Like what you, if he failed the physical, you probably could have gotten him for like a deal, like five years and 175 million because <clears throat> I bet you 29 other teams would have backed out and wouldn't have been interested anymore because a team just said that they saw something in his physical and they backed out of it. N- not to mention, this isn't a team that was signing him like, oh, the Giants are just signing him because they're already a 100-game winner. They don't need him, but they're just going to continue to bolster and get better. No, this is a team that was clearly big game hunting this offseason yeah. and desperately wanted a big name free agent. They, We all remember John Heyman, my favorite baseball insider. Arson Judge is headed to the Giants for seven <laughs> minutes. Everyone thought Aaron Judge was a Giant. Like So they were clearly trying to get land like a, a big name in free agency this offseason. So you think they got him in Cray, and then they back out. Like for them to back out of that deal, I, yikes, Mets fans. Yeah. Yikes. I think, I think the only thing like I could like for me like you can say like I can respect Steve Cohen like he's continuing that energy of I'm gonna pay players to get I'm gonna I'm I have all this money I'm gonna use it for my organization I'm gonna build a World Series team. Look at me I'm gonna go out and get this guy and. Maybe that was him. Like, let me go out and get Correa and see. Like, oh, is he really hurt? Like, is it like I have all this money? So what? Like, if I lose him, whatever, I can find somebody else. So I think you can kind of respect that aspect of it. But then again, it's kind of disrespectful. Like, I mean, the Giants have been a world class or won three World Series in the twenty ten, like the the tens, <laughs> and so like, how can you be like, oh? I don't think the doctors are right. Let's sign him for yeah. 12 years, $350 million, And then like it backfires on you again. You publicly announce it. So you can kind of respect it. Like, oh, keeping the energy, spending big money. But then it's like you're disrespecting another org that they're doctors and everybody. So I think it's just back and forth, like like that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, completely, I, I completely respect the fact that he is committed to – getting big name players and getting valuable players in into the Mets uniform. Like there's no denying that, but you know, I, that doesn't mean that I don't think there's flaws in the logic, right? Mm-hmm. He is committed to it, which is fine. That's perfectly fine with me. I, I, I respect anybody who's that committed to anything, but I do think there are some flaws in the logic, but again, that's something we'll have 12 years to debate because they have Lindor, Nimmo and Correa backed up for, the next century it feels like you know and Mm -hmm. and so 
it's so interesting because Dan, you bring up a good point of the arrogancy to think that you're, you know, smarter, your doctors are better, the giants are being nitpicky. And, you know, I never even thought about the, the, in, in the context of how, I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say desperate. The giants felt they were for a superstar desperate. I mean, to be hand, when you hand out that contract and you get ink on it, not many times are these, these organizations have punched in every model. They've gone on every, you know, down every rabbit hole, down every stretch of conversation to know what they're getting themselves into. Nobody gets into it that deep and then goes, holy crap, we, we need to find something in the physical to get out of it. Right. And not I remember with a player like back- Carlos Correa. Yeah, exactly. Like you're not, you're not going to, and you're not going to burn a, an agent like Scott Bur- Boris, right. right? Like right. just none best of that, none of that. Room. Yeah. None of that would make any logical sense for, for an organization that has always done things the right way. You know, I remember in the mid 2010s, like the Orioles had like six guys come up bad on physicals, right? Yeah. They had like a multiple trades, free agents and there was a lot of people that believed that their doctors were nitpicky right you know overanalyzed because these guys ended up going on to other organizations and passing the physicals fine and you know it was guys like Gallardo and and just guys that didn't really go on to have much production post the failing the physical I'm not saying I, I can't say with enough fact of whether they got hurt or not but that was kind of the only time we've really heard real major news coming out of physicals, right? Every time it's been other than that, it's usually been like something that's structurally wrong, like something is legitimately wrong. And and when you look at Correa, they're saying it's something structural. He got surgery on his lower leg. Right I don't want to say tib yeah. or fib. Um, it was just ankle area. When he was in the minors, was, right? When he was in the minors. And yeah. what I saw on MLB Network the other day, yesterday, actually, was what people don't remember is he slid late in the year. Um, he was playing the Royals. He tried to steal second base, and he was down for a minute. He only missed one game. He played pretty well down the stretch. But did something come up in that in that slide when he when, did he cause more damage to that and obviously there's something that nobody nobody knows was in there right if he's playing through some you know at 150 games in the year i know he didn't play for the full season bumps and bruises could be small tears i mean we see it in the nhl all the time it's like oh yeah that guy played on a broken leg for the last two months and you're like he's a psychopath but you know sometimes i guess with the with the, the amount of uh with drugs that you could pump somebody into before a playoff <laughs> hockey game. And when adrenaline's involved, you, you don't feel, you know, a broken leg feels like a pulled hammy, I guess. But with this back to the Correa thing, it's just, it's a messy situation. There's no doubt about that. I think Cohen is being the big game hunter that he wanted to be. But, you know, I can't not bring up the fact of, We've seen the history of injuries with position player contracts. If you're Steve Cohen or any Met fan, right, how are you sleeping knowing that you're giving 12 years to a guy who already has something potentially damaging, damaging enough to halt a 12-year contract 
twice. So I want to hear your guys' opinions on both of, both of your guys' opinions on this. But like, as a put yourself in a Met fan shoes or Steve Cohen shoes, and you're throwing around big money and you're locking up a lot of money per year on one guy. How are you feeling every time, every night your your head hits the pillow when you know you know this and is always going to be in the back of your head? I would say you'd be. I would, I'd say you'd be nervous, but I mean, with a 12 year deal and obviously knowing all the physical stuff, he's, I mean, failed both of those back to back. Do they change Do the team, start changing their approach now? I mean, no, that's just one guy instead of giving, you know, like they give Trey Turner 11 years, like all these other guys, 10 plus years. Does Correa get that between f- four and six year deal instead of this 12, 12 year deal that they were hoping now that they know that. He's got some structural damage and some issues with that lower leg. Do they start changing their approach of how many years can we get out of him before that injury starts to catch up to him? Because, I mean, 12 years down the road, like that, like just coming from my perspective, and we were just talking about before, year to year, you're, everything is changing. Everything is tightening up. You're getting older. So many reps. I mean, position players playing 162 games in the regular season plus, I mean, 20 30 more in the post like however many more in the postseason is could this be the time where they start rethinking you know 12 years maybe maybe four to six and try to see if they can get as much as they can out of them before that injury just catches up to them because i mean you can't stop it it's just it's your body like it, they, it's only so much wear and tear it can take before it just really just gives out so I think maybe they start to change their approach on it or they just stay aggressive and go for that 12 year deal but it's a big risk. It could be, it's a high risk, high reward. I think that's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you're probably nervous. I mean, clearly too, if you're the Mets, just not even speaking from a man, uh, a fan's standpoint yet. Like if you're the Mets, you're clearly like, there's a reason that they haven't inked the deal yet because obviously they saw the physical and now they're trying to figure out what to do, whether or not he ends up on the Mets. Like you, I saw the same report you did, you know, some New York guy thinks he knows that there's a 55% chance, which like they're clearly nervous. So if you're a fan, <laughs> you got to just be waiting. You watch every night waiting for him to hit the D, the IL, right? Like you're just like, well, well he's going to get hurt at some point. When is it now? What's the disaster scenario of this? The disaster scenario of this is you don't win a World Series, and in two years, Carlos Correa is a third of the player that he is now. I mean, you got to be waiting on like every year now, and I kind of felt this way anyway. When you're handing out these contracts, every year is a month, like is almost like a World Series or bust year. When you're handing out 10, 12 yeah. year contracts, and that's not just the Mets, right? Like the Yankees are now in that position. The Yankees are in that position every year, but. The Yankees are in that position. The Phillies are in that position. Sure, the Braves are pretty much in that position. They're doing it a little differently, but like every year now is a World Series or bust year for a team like the Braves. The Rangers are trying to get to that point. Like, so it's just risk. I mean, it's risk reward, right? We talk about it all the time. What is the risk reward of this? And I don't know. I wouldn't. As soon as the Giants backed out of that deal, I am shocked. That this happened. And the Mets are the only team who was going to hand him the 12-year contract afterwards. Like, after this went down the way it did, I can't think of another organization who would have handed out this contract. It just makes so much sense that the Mets were the ones who did it. And Yeah. Because, again, I would have been like, okay, he's going to get six years. He's going to get seven years. Like, I don't know. It's kind of mind-blowing. 
It is. It, it really is. And and you know the the big thing to me, like as we sit here and talk about this, is like Carlos Correa ain't exactly been like the model of health in no. the MLB. Like he he doesn't. He isn't Manny Machado playing 162. He isn't Trey Turner playing every day. He isn't Dansby Swanson playing every day. Like, this is a dude who's dealt with injury after injury after injury. And again, like, I hate, I despise the term injury prone. I despise it because there's so, much, there's so much wear and tear in a baseball season. Like, I, I, only mutant physical specimens can handle what position players handle but that that brings into question of the position player contracts that we're handing out right now right and you take that risk of knowing that you're giving a guy 12 years to be productive for four to five and then hopefully you win a world series and it's world series or bust like dan mentioned for that stretch but you just are always hanging on by a thread that this body, this guy's body just doesn't just break down because that's when these contracts go to crap time and time again. And we do not see many guys that are older that are able to stay healthy for long stretches of periods of time, right? It just Mm -hmm. catches up to almost every position guy because the wear and tear of 162 games with a DH, without a DH, it just always comes up. It always gets to this point where a guy just can't handle the, the load of a long season. And Carlos Correa has already shown kind of the inability to do that. And again, it's not Carlos Correa's fault. It's very hard to do what these guys do. But you have to understand that when a guy has not exactly been a model of health and of being on the field every day and all those things, and then you want to give a guy 12 years, most time it would be a very off chance that a guy – health turns into his 30s right maybe adrian beltre is the most recent guy who kind of had like the opposite of what we see early 20s injuries ups and downs streakiness whatever you want to see it that it's like 31 to 39 it's like model of consistency right model of consistency and oh you can go yeah no you're good you're good what what do you got for me i was like like Knowing how like baseball has grown into more of this technology and scientific like approach to the game, maybe the Giants saw his injury like fading sooner like than the Mets. Maybe the Mets wanted to see like, okay, this is an injury. Can we get enough years out of it and manage it? And then I mean, look back. Maybe the Giants saw and said, hey, that could be really tricky to keep going year after year to manage it like as you get older and older yeah. and older but baseball is like baseball is it's completely different than it was five years ago oh. it's ridiculous how much technology and scientific anatomy all these data points have trickled in to contracts and stuff so maybe maybe the Mets wanted to see like get his physical see like okay that's his injury like that's something that we could work with Maybe he's worth 12 years, but maybe he's not. So I, I think that's yeah. something to look at is you could dive in so much deeper into that stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm a pro player. Like I'm going to be a yeah, pro player with all this stuff. So like, I like, we don't know what Correa is doing to really go get back and stay healthy. Like that's something else yeah. that we can talk about all we want, but who knows what Correa is doing right now to make sure that he's healthy for the next however many years he can. Like, what is he doing 
how, who is he talking to the trainers, all these athletic, all, all these people to make sure that he's stable and conditioned and ready for 162 games for the next eight plus years now. So I think that's something that can be really interesting is look at that technology scientific side of it. Well, and I think you make a great point too. And that I think the Mets, the Mets are clear, the Mets are short-sighted about this, right? The Mets are making all short-sighted moves. And again, they're not alone in doing that, right? The Phillies, the Padres, the Yankees, like all these teams are making short-sighted moves. I don't think the Giants are going to operate in that sense. So Mm -mm, I think that never, it's a good point that you like the Giants or like, we're inking you to 12. We want 12. Whereas I think the yep. Mets are a lot like the Phillies, where it's like, we're inking you to 11, 12 so years. We want, we want six. Four. We want six <laughs> in a World Series or two. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, the, the yeah. rest of it will eat. Will, Correa, you can play second. You can DH some. You can do whatever you need. <clears throat> we don't care. We, right. Bobby. Yeah, they're <laughs> still paying Bobby Bonilla. So, like, it's like you if you play four years, five years, six years, if you're the Mets and we win a World Series – We'll take it. Whereas the Giants are like, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no. We're not operating like that. I'm not handcuffing our mm-hmm. organization. Yep. And that could have went into it. And I think uh-huh. that probably did go into it. And I wonder also how much of this is Carlos Correa and Scott Boris? How much yeah. of this is Correa going, I got the most years and the most money from the Giants. And then the Giants were like, whoa, you're physical. We need to restructure and we want to shorten this thing. And then the Mets come in and Correa goes, Scott, I'd rather be in New York. Scott's like, well, they're going to give you 300 plus in 12 years. I think you should go to New York too. Yeah. So that could also play into this, right? Like I, how much of this is is maybe not just the teams, but also Cray and his camp being like, I'm going to get way more popularity playing in New York where I'm on East Coast time, prime time. They're going to be on Sunday Night Baseball 170 times this year. Every time they play the Braves, they're going to be nationally televised. I bet you half the times they play the Phillies will be nationally televised. They're probably going to make the postseason, whereas the Giants still had some work to do. And and, and your regular weekday games are at 10 o'clock. You're not marketed. It's better. We've seen it with Mike Trout, right? Yeah. I, I wonder how much of that plays into this as well. It, I, I don't I don't know how much of Carlos Correa's brand per se plays into it, but I definitely think there's an element of like, I don't think Scott Boris and Carlos Correa are walking out of this deal with the Mets without 12 years, 300 million. That's my take on it. I think if there's anything that they're going to prioritize here, it might be some, some clause where if he misses time, you don't have to pay him, whatever it be, but he's getting 12 years, 300 million. So like Met fans, Steve Cohen come to the realization. You're not restructuring this deal to get, get something else out of there. I think, Carlos, I think Scott Boris and Carlos Correa have all the leverage in this. They they're going to be able to to play Steve Cohen's games of I'm going to go big game hunting, all this stuff like that. They're going to play it into him and say like, Hey man, do you really want your fan base to to be pissed at you in year two, three, whatever year it is, and you're not you know you're talking about spending monopoly money. You're not spending monopoly money if you're letting contracts fall through. So I really do think like Scott Boris and Carlos Correa have a lot more leverage for considering the fact that the guy is the one with the bad physical. I think MLB organizations, you see the contracts that are being thrown around. It's just something that's going to be interesting to see. One of the things that I did want to talk about a little bit was the <clears throat> the fact that fan, fan graphs came out and wrote an article that a lot of executives this Dan, this has to tie in with what we're talking about right now. Don't worry. I'm not going to change the topic too much. Wrote about how there's a lot of executives that are talking about inflation and how that impacts these contracts. Right. 
And when we got on here probably, what, three weeks ago and talked about the big contact contracts that were being handed out. And, you know, obviously I was – Dan was pro big contracts. You know, the Phillies are throwing it around. You know, he's defending that side of things. You know, I was kind of anti. But one of the things that I think we could all agree on is it's a completely different argument when you're talking about just on-field value. If you're giving a guy 12 years – for thirty million a year and on field value, that does not seem to make the most sense in today's environment. So Fangraphs wrote this article and basically they were just saying MLB executives are operating under the impression that with inflation, these contracts in year six through twelve are going to be pennies on the dollar because the value of the dollar is going to increase so much over time. Right. And and that brings into such an interesting dynamic into this. Steve Cohen, I could bash him all I want from our from our little, you know, small town podcast that we run. He's a lot smarter than me. He's definitely got a lot more money than me. He's got access to a lot of people more way smarter than us. Is that playing a role in these big contracts and how much not necessarily with him, with everybody? I, I see you shaking your head. I think he's just throwing money around. But you you mentioned how teams want the lower average annual value is in like how much of like the economic side of things of like the world is playing a role. Well, that's what people have to understand. Like as fans, we sit here and we judge everything, and and we do it on this podcast as much as we keep our fandom out of it. We judge everything on like when we sit here and talk, we judge everything on value on the field, and that's what you and I were arguing about when we talked about this originally. We talk about everything as value on the field. Fans talk about everything as wins and losses. Owners of Major League Baseball teams think about everything economically. It's the yeah. same reason there are organizations out there who don't throw around money because they they know what the books look like. They know the money they're bringing in. They know the they they know how much money they're putting in their pocket. Everyone does. Yes, the the reason that teams are giving like again, the Phillies, the Met, all these contracts you've seen this offseason, none of them give a darn tootin' about the value on the field in year 10 of those contracts. They care about their bottom line, and their bottom line being if I can lighten the lower annual. And again, John Middleton and Dave, you know, I guess it was John Middleton started it in Philadelphia with Bryce Harper. If we will give you those years to lessen our annual average annual, we can sign some other players. We can then make up for it if we start winning and we can start filling this place every night. My bottom line, I end up above it. All the time. And the amount of money that they will make if you go and win a World Series and have six years of Bryce Harper's contract, six years of Trey Turner's contract, six years of Carlos Correa, six years of Xander Bogarts. If we're selling out this place and we're making deep playoff runs and the TV contracts are coming, they're putting us on national TV, we're selling uniforms, we're putting fans in the seats, our bottom line ends up, we're plus, we're making money. I'm making money as an owner. Economically, that's all I care about when I own a baseball team. Right. Like a lot of times as fans, we think about these owners like they're fans. They're not. They're business guys. This is a money making endeavor. Right. You see it in the NFL all the time. You certainly see it in in the NBA. Right. Where there are teams who I don't even think they care if they ever win a game. There's owners out there who don't like when was the last time the Sacramento Kings finished with a winning record? I don't follow the NBA that much. It could have been two years ago and I wouldn't know. (laughs) But to me, I feel like every time I look at the standings, the Kings are in last place. Do you think the owners of the Sacramento Kings care about the value of their players on the court? No. And, right. and it's just – it's tough because – and like from, from our position, I feel like 
it, it's such a hard argument because of the fact that it's hard when you don't have exact quantifiable information. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't know. Yeah, the we don't see the books. Sales. No, right. we, don't. we I don't. And we see never the will. No. You know, and, and like we never will. So that's why I have a hard time even getting into that side of things. When you start talking about things like inflation, I get weary because that's just a guess. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's literally just a guess. And things could even out and then you feel like an absolute idiot. Who knows? Like, something in the next CBA could lower, like, players' contracts. Like, I don't think it's going to trend in that direction. But, you know, if they start putting, like, caps on this this stuff or, like, Steve Cohen pushes his – luxury tax so far that they start really putting on real imposing taxes when you push these numbers like who knows like players earnings could go down and then you have guys like 37 year old Xander Bogarts making in the top 10% of money when you know when you did something just based on the idea of inflation so you know again like when we talk about these contracts like that the jersey sales, the selling out for a World Series, like all those things are like, yeah, yeah, they make sense in my my head if I was running the business, all those things like that. But it's so hard when it's unquantifiable that we don't know exactly like for every jersey sold, how much more value does that bring on top of what that person brings on the field? So, think, Colin, what, obviously there's a lot to unpack there. Like where are your, where's your just, head at? Just for like a player's perspective, like <clears throat> at the end of the day, like all these all these organizations, like it's it's a business. Like it's just like if you had the Philadelphia Phillies like down on Main Street, just like a store, you walked in there, it's it's a business you're gonna have. You're gonna have Harper, mm-hmm. you're gonna have Tur- you're gonna have Turner, you're gonna have your big guys at the front of the all like the yeah they're like menu items yeah yeah it's like here's our products then you're gonna then you're gonna go back in the store you're gonna have like your your prime prospects and you go farther back in the store and kind of have like even more of your minor leaguers and and stuff like that so i think like just player perspective it's a business at the end of the day like these these orgs are in it to win they're gonna do whatever they can they're gonna spend all this money and I think when I, I'm not an economic, I don't know much about inflation, economics, stuff yeah. like that. But at the end of the day, like you get like Cohen, like I don't think he's like thinking about that at all because he knows with inflation, he's going to make even more money at the end of the day because he's going to keep up with it as much as he can to stay ahead of that. But it does bring up an interesting point of, you know, some teams that are like at the lower end of the spectrum with money, like how can that really affect them? you know, down the road 10 years from now, as compared to, you know, Steve Cohen, who's, you know, a, a billionaire at the, at the end of the day, like, yeah. is, it's not going to change him as much as maybe some of like those lower market teams that are kind of struggling to, you know, be a business and make money yeah. and have guys come into their store and buy into yeah. their players and products. So I think just at the end of the day, just look at it like, I mean, it's still a business, like it's still a business. It's just sometimes tough to like wrap that around your head just as a player, like, hey, this is this is just like a normal this is like a store just like anybody else. Yeah, and I think we should revisit this when the season starts and see how much a ticket costs to go to a Met Games and a meal and a drink when you go into City Field. Yeah. Because if you don't if, like if you don't think like in not only inflation, but those contracts, like they make a difference. 
They do. I mean, it's so not it's, what people want to hear. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. There's a reason that, and some of those lower market teams, where, why is it still cheap to go to some of those games at lower market teams? Well, because they're not, their payrolls aren't as high. To get it insured, and like that's just it makes sense, right? It balances it out. Well, yeah, you're going to pay more to go see Carlos Correa and Francisco Lindor, and Aaron Judge, and you're going to go pay more to go see the New York Yankees than you are to some of those other smaller market teams. It makes sense, I think, but yeah. that's how look, it evens out. Yeah, so like people are they're they're going to pay the money. Like, I mean, New York, you're going to be in New York. Right. Like people, there's people in there that that do very very well. You're not living in New York unless you're doing right at least decent okay so they're i mean if they upcharge the the ticket price by 15 20 bucks they're i doubt they're not they're, blink. I, they're, they're already not care. if if anybody if you've ever been to yankee stadium or city field i don't know if you guys ever have like <laughs> it's it's already out of hand and right. if we're talking mm-hmm. about a 15 percent increase from what it already is like we're talking about like $14 for like a pint of beer, which is just, which is absurd to talk about. And again, like these are all the things that like, you know, we could sit here on a podcast and, sit and do here it and forever. Yeah. Like we could literally go round mm-hmm. and round and round and round like until we're blue in the face of saying like, well, it's going to impact this. Well, it's going to impact that. And and where I think my head goes to is like, I don't think anybody minds paying extra for a beer for Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, no. Brandon Nimmo in 2023. If you're winning 100 games and potentially well, winning in 2023, the World Series, no. But are you okay with paying $20 for Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor, and Brandon Nimmo in 2030 when they're in their late 30s and Carlos Correa might not be playing full seasons and Brandon Nimmo mm-hmm. is is a shell of the person that he's not? Some then, people will be. Then, some people, right. Anyway. And yeah, Colin, I mean, say the, what you're about to say. The process just starts back over again. There's a new and, prospect. There's a new and the prospect. Money you've made, new free agent to hire. There's somebody else to pay. So it and the of, money it, that you've right. cycle. It's a constant See, cycle. The money you've made can cover those lean years. Like the Phillies didn't this, go bankrupt. The Phillies paid no, a bunch of people go, before. And they, they didn't go bankrupt. They just no. went through ten years without postseason baseball. They're not bankrupt. They had enough money to pay the guys they have now. Like yeah. So, Sure, paying Carlos Correa till twenty third again, and that's why I think that some of these teams are doing it, and that's how they would justify it too. And like you said, there is no argument to be made. If you want to talk about value on the field, the Brandon Nimmo contract stinks. It didn't make your team any better. No. And was I arguing the other Definitely side a couple didn't weeks make ago? Yeah, better in eight years, right? But how would Steve Cohen would laugh at you if you tried to tell him that? Yeah, I mean, and if and if we tried to go into like it, like he could he would put my put my brain in a blender by telling me the economical side of like why it makes sense too. I just think it's it's tough for me because the what it comes back to is when people talk like you guys are both saying like this cycle restarts. It's like, well, remember when everybody thought the New York Yankees were always going to spend a boatload of money? It's like they're still spending a lot of money, but like they pick and no. choose now. Yeah, so I, I was, like, yeah, that they've gotten smarter. That, like, they've gotten smarter. So like, this whole idea mm-hmm. that Steve Cohen's just going to sit there and throw caution at the wind, like the Yankees. Yeah, but you had I a change in I, ownership in New York. Yeah, yeah. So it's exciting, but like this guy's treating it like it's MLB the show, and like I just feel like at some point, unless you're content with having this same team for the next five to seven years, which maybe you are, I I just don't. 
I don't see it working out for them. Like yeah, you I, said, like the Yankees, like they, I remember just like, like the Yankees always went out and bought their players. They always went out and spent all this money for the big league guys. And now they've kind of switched. They're getting maybe one or two big contracts and they're kind of relying on their farm system a little more. They have Vlope down there. They got some other young guys. And mm-hmm. now you see the Mets have kind of taken over that, maybe that Yankees mentality of they'll spend big money on all these, you know, ready to play big leaguers that can, you know, six to 12 years or whatever they want to sign them for. So I think you kind of, I mean, New York, the Mets and Yankees, in my opinion, they've kind of, kind of like flipped roles in a way. I could see it. Well, you yeah. have, and and because you right, like <clears throat> Hal Steinbrenner is not his dad, right? The Yankees stopped sure. when George Steinbrenner stopped, passed away, and wasn't running the, the Yankees anymore. They stopped paying all those guys. Hal Steinbrenner runs it differently. Steve Cohen throws the money around. It's as simple as that. I mean, I, I think it's as simple as that, but. Before we have to end here, I'm sorry, I've been dying to ask this question. I should have asked it earlier. Con, I don't know if you're allowed to tell us, but what's the, what's the, what, you're a pro player, the only one here who's been in a pro organization. What's the physical process like? I'm just uh, curious. It's, it's, it's extensive. It's, it's, it's very long. I, that's what we were just talking about at the gym the other day. We were talking like spring training is fun, but we always dread the physical process because it's, it's, it's a long process of, your orthopedics, you got eyesight, you got weight room, you got all, you got all these different, you have to go, it takes like four or five hours of your day to go through all of these things. And you're just kind of sitting there, like you go into each, each station. You're like, Oh gosh, like what are they going to find that I didn't know about? Like, then you start stressing like, Oh my gosh, like, ah, like this can bother me down the road. Then you're like, Oh my, like kind of start stressing, but it's, I'm sure it's even more extensive with the big leaguers because I mean they're spending three hundred fifty million dollars on a guy. That's different <laughs> right. than it's <laughs> that's different than a you know a normal minor leaguer like me who's making you know twelve thousand dollars a year, which is you know it's fun, but it, it's it's a Jeez, long don't process. Flex on them. <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is a, it's a long process and it's tedious. It's just kind of annoying. But at the end of the day, it's a business. They want to make sure that every single player is. Right. Is it were investments? I mean, they sign us. They sign us for money. They pay us. It's it's an investment at the end of the day. So they have to make sure that all their players are healthy. So that's why all these physicals are so long. And I'm sure I, the big leaguers will probably have days of physicals mm-hmm. and probably have to go through tons of MRIs. I remember I first got drafted, and we all went and got MRIs and X-rays like right away. So they're always right they're 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 diving into every little thing that they can they can get their hands on just to make sure that everybody's healthy enough so that they can get the most out of every single player down the road, which I mean, ends up you know helping teams win world series. Mm. So let me, let me ask you this. Does your, do any eight, do you know of any agencies that perform physicals before their guys hit the open market? I do not. I, that's, okay. I I'm not that's sure about question. that. Cause no. I thought, I thought about that today. Like, why it's just I, I just think if I was if I was going to be a free agent, I knew what whoever I signed like I wouldn't want to be caught off guard. Like if this thing ain't bothering Carlos Correa, like it would really piss me off if I was losing out on a lot mm-hmm. of million of dollars to that, find out that this is a right. red flag. That's like I first got drafted, we had a couple players like they get their MRIs and x rays and they come back like I can't participate for 
a week or so because the team has to dive into something so small. And meanwhile, the mm-hmm. players like, I feel fine. Like I don't, I don't yep. notice that. I never even thought of that. Like what it could have been. It could have been just like a t- like tiny micro tear, like in mm-hmm. your hip or like your oblique. And you go through college, you go three, four years, and you don't even notice it. Then next thing you know, you get drafted, and they're like, "Hey, we're worried about this." In your whole life, yeah. you're like, "I'd never even thought about that." Like it's kind of strange, but then again, yeah. it's an investment. They have to make sure that you're healthy enough to play because they're given. I mean, out of college, you're giving guys four hundred thousand, five millions of dollars sometimes. So mm-hmm. it can, it's a big risk. So they have to really just want to make sure everybody's healthy. That's wild. Well, that, that would be, yeah, that would be the biggest thing too, is because it is a, I mean, it's a leverage piece in negotiation. So if mm-hmm. agents ever did that, it would have to be, or players or agents ever decided to go that route, it would have to stay between player and agent and it would not get to like i'm asking that because just more along the lines of like do they know like like i said i just wouldn't want to be caught off guard you know because as if these organizations knew before they signed you obviously they wouldn't be willing to give you as much money because they would use any you know i know we talk about cohen throwing money around but he's also a smart negotiator i'm sure um you know it's not like he's just gonna throw money to a guy to damage goods you don't buy damaged assets and get that rich right so mm-hmm. it, it was just an interesting thing i i didn't know if any agencies were kind of like hey like you know before you hit the open market like why don't why don't we do that i know pre-draft like a lot of guys don't release their physicals if they do have them right like that's a big thing that's why a lot of kids don't want to go to the um mm-hmm. the mlb draft combine is because they do a lot of physicals and a lot of guys are like i ain't no what do you where do you think i'm going oh you're going between 10 and 15 like the first round yeah i'll stick with that i'm not making you guys mess around with me and mixing on the 12th rounder and back in the sec for another year Uh, we saw with kumar rocker just like very recently like Went from the Mets, the Mets. So I mean, I mean, look at, I mean, I can't put myself in like I can't put myself in Kumar Rocker's shoes, but I'm sure like he's going through that process. Like I just had probably one of the best college seasons anybody's had in college the past. careers. Yeah, so, I mean he's he was he was the dude to watch. I remember like in college, everybody like, knew we his were name. All, yeah. everybody knew who Kumar Rocker was, and then to see him not get not signed because of I believe there was like an elbow issue or something it was mind-boggling I'm sure his process like his thoughts were like like what what the heck like I'm totally Mm -hmm. fine then I got I saw him pitch in the fall league and he was it was four to seven I was like they waited a year and a half of possible development with this guy he probably could have been you know double a like close to triple a like maybe if a year or so away from the big leagues and now he's has to make up for that missed time and he's probably punching himself like in the face like what the heck was wrong with me like i felt fine all those years but then that but then they get all that's why baseball is slowly it's getting that technology science base they're looking so deep into like the the tiniest little tears Mm -hmm. and ligaments and tendons and muscles they're really diving into it because they're huge investments he was probably going to sign for two plus million dollars and 
I yeah. mean, in baseball, that may not be a lot, but I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Oh, he was. That's a he, lot yeah, of money. He was in line. I mean, he got drafted <clears throat> higher, so he did. He did all right for himself. But and this mm-hmm. is, we do not need to get in the Kumar Rocker conversation because it is a lengthy, in-depth conversation that we could definitely dive into at another point. But from both ends of where I get frustrated is the player has no rights once his name right. is drafted, right? So the right. Mets don't mm-hmm. want to sign him. And no team can come in. Like what I believe is they should structure it that you either offer 70% of slot or he becomes a, he is able to basically become a free agent as long as that organization is willing to offer him 70% of the slot. Right. So where the player has all the rights, like, oh, Mets, you don't want to sign me for 70%. All right. Well, I'll go to the, the Nationals. Like, cause you're telling me an organization that took Lucas Giolito with Tommy John, all those guys in the first round with, with, elbow injuries like the washington nationals would have been licking their chops to get a damaged kumar rocker they have no problem with guys with damaged goods so you know you look at organizations like that like the like kumar rocker literally had to sit out go play indie ball and test test the waters for another year and And he was fine yeah he was fine. fine and from the Mets standpoint too it's like it's frustrating and this is why there maybe there should be a process where these physicals are more well known before because yeah, you with damaged elbow, we might you might be worth one point five million, but we don't think you're worth four point five million with a damaged elbow. And that just adjusts how much you go into the negotiation table. And right. when you take a guy at slot and you agree to a contract that's slot, and then you get on the other side and you go, Well, he's not what we agreed to because an elbow injury is not worth four point five million. You look at Gunnar Hoagland, who's with the Toronto Blue Jays rehabbing through his elbow injury same same year as kumar rocker and he got just he was a first round pick they negotiate they knew that he had damage like you almost have more value to be a a guy who's like everybody knows needs surgery because they'll still take you in the first round right. and they can trust you through rehab and you are to be a guy yeah that's surprise mm-hmm. because then that they're was, like whoa we can't we can't touch you like that was like i mean it dates back but I was in. I had I had Tommy John in high school, and I was committed mm-hmm. to Wake. I know this is college and high school are totally different than talking about prime Korea and these big time prospects. But Wake took a chance on me, like yeah. knowing that I had TJ in high school. They're still gonna they honored my scholarship. I'm very fortunate they did that, but they took a big risk with that. That this seven sixteen year old kid has Tommy John surgery. Like that's a mm-hmm. huge red eye. Looking back at that, like. I was surprised that Wake honored my scholarship and let me still show up to school knowing that, hey, this 16-year-old kid just had Tommy John surgery. And I know that was eight years ago, but eight years, that's how much baseball has changed. Eight years ago, like, mm-hmm. that was that was very concerning. And nowadays you see mm-hmm. it, like, he had TJ, so what? Like, every, everybody's, yeah. like, that's just a very common thing. So I think that's something that you can really look into is, is something like that, so... Yeah, definitely, definitely. There definitely needs to be a lot more transparency with the with the physical side of things because you know from from the draft standpoint, I don't think there's any in anybody's right mind that just because it's a surprise that the guy should get slighted and have to push back his draft year for another year. So, I I think guys would be surprised with how many like tiny injuries like guys go through uh, a year. Like it's incredible. Like how many like of our position players are like going through stuff daily. Like, gosh, yeah. dude, I got to keep up on would, this stuff. 
but they still do it. They still find ways to mm-hmm. go out there every day and play. It's just part of the game. It's just how it goes when you're playing 162 mm-hmm. games a year. You're never going to feel good every no. day. All the position guys, they wake up and they're like, they're like, gosh, like, oh, like that, like that Saturday Sunday games. They're they're drained. They're gassed. They're mm-hmm. just from playing just constantly. They can't take a pitch off. Like that's the beauty of baseball. You can't take a pitch off. But we can talk about that another time. But. Yes, yeah, seriously. And I, I would put my life savings on the fact that 75% of professional pitchers probably have labrum structural damage. All, of, all of us. Yeah, all of us like, have micro I think that's have, Yeah, I think that's the point mm-hmm. where MLB organizations just like that's not even a red flag anymore. Just like, nah, I think, just like going, <laughs> it's yeah. just like, all right, dude, dude. It's got a bum labor. Yeah, like, yeah so, so does everybody. Like, get, everyone get else. Like, come on. Yeah, <laughs> everybody else. Like, like, just like speaking, like, I like keep talking like personally, like, but like, I feel like I connect that way. But like, like my elbow, like I can't straighten my elbow all the way from TJ. Yeah. And I remember when I got to college, like my trainer was like, we need to fix that. Like we got to work on trying to get your arm like back to range of motion. But literally, you know, like the scar tissue on my elbows keep my arm together. And that's the only reason I can still pitch. Right. Yeah. So it's just, so do not can, do that. I'm, yeah. So you can Sorry. dive into so Sorry. much <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, hopefully he is a fan of this podcast, but that athletic trainer should stick to soccer. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Great yeah. trainer, but I, but he he he. It was like two weeks where I was like, I'm gonna get your arm straight. And I remember looking, I'm like, I'm laughing. I'm like, there's no yeah. way you're gonna get this arm straight. Like that's yeah. the only thing keep my arm together. But but I mean, that's I kind of went off track. But I think people nah, don't good. realize like how like how much like wear and tear it can happen, but also how well players can still maintain you know, above average play while dealing with slight, slight tightness and slight yep. injuries. Like, I mean, our leadoff hitter for this year, like, every, like he had like a lot, he had some like leg, like lower, like leg issues, like base runner guys, like they struggled, but they still manage. They still find ways to stay healthy enough to perform, you know, good enough to keep moving up. So yeah. I think when we, a lot of fans, a lot of people just talk like, "Oh, he's not. Oh, he's hurt. He's hurt. He's hurt." It's like mm-hmm. you don't you don't know what they're doing on the side every single day to maintain. I mean, we have games at seven o'clock. Guys are showing up at twelve to get ready for a game, and they're going home at twelve, waking up mm-hmm. at nine o'clock to do it over again. It's just over and over and constantly just getting on top of things. But yeah, that's just I my mean, uh, that's my player perspective. Just. Player always. <laughs> hey man, Player that's why always. that's why we we love having you here. You bring a perspective that that not many people have. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's kind of the you know why we love having you here is you're able to bring in just I mean all of it from from Dan asking you what a physical's like to to just talking about that stuff and and being able to get the in depth stuff. So maybe that says something about Correa. Maybe he can work. Maybe this won't <clears throat> will this be a non factor down the road. Maybe it will be a factor, but you know we'll find out. And obviously, we're we're very thankful that that Wake honored your scholarship because you know we we we'd just be doing we'd all be doing this podcast from North Carolina right now. You'd be you'd be retired <laughs> Who knows like where both be. of us. Hey, exactly. You'd be you'd be, be a hanging DNR with the rep us. somewhere, somewhere <laughs> farming. Who knows where we'd be? <laughs> 
so we're so we're very thankful that you know shout out to to wake forest baseball and honoring your scholarship and doing the right thing you know that like you said i mean for people that don't know i know nowadays it'd be like oh that's just not that big of a deal no back eight years ago that was a big deal to to Mm -hmm. take on a guy with with tommy john at, at that young of age so um but that'll do for this episode obviously a lot of content you know we we obviously got the first 25 30 minutes of just us kind of rambling but you know that's the beauty of this podcast so hopefully you guys all like this episode um we still we're about halfway through the off season we're rounding into the new year we're planning on producing a lot more content moving forward make sure you follow on all the socials tiktok specifically we're working on recording some stuff to get out there on those platforms obviously youtube as well and anywhere you get your podcasts and make sure you share with five friends everybody enjoy the holidays happy happy new year coming up 2023 and you know next thing you know we'll be we'll be back in baseball season so we'll see you guys next week